Hello and welcome to another episode of Trick Woof's podcast. Today I wanted to talk about using management instead of training and why it's okay to cheat. So we I sometimes think there's a bit of a negative thing about using management and and using it forever really because it's called management right so you're supposed to be managing but doing something else at the same time and I I always often well not always but often yeah I guess always throughout my training life I adjust I change and I don't do things that I perhaps did five ten years ago sometimes I don't do things I did a year ago because that's the beauty of dog training is we're always finding out new things there's still loads of new studies and we adapt and grow and change and if we don't I think perhaps that sort of staying stuck is not really a good sign of of a, a trainer because we we need to change you know if you're if your trainer's saying something different to them to what they told you a few years ago that's probably a good sign because we want to move and change with the times and and learn and and it shows a sign of growth I think it can be sometimes hard to admit that or hard to change or say you know I was wrong back then because you feel like you want to be always an expert from the beginning or if you've been doing it for years and years and years and years you want to really know everything but of course you don't because it's always a journey you're never going to know everything and we're always finding out new things as well so nobody knows everything So what I used to do, and not that long ago either, probably, you know, used to do this very recently, I'd go, and I might even still do it with some clients that are really trainery, um, but I would go into a home and say the dog was begging at the table or at mealtimes, there was a problem with the dog around mealtimes, or there was a problem with the dog around the doorbell. So things like that, I'd put in this whole complex, training plan where okay right you know we trained the dog to go to a mat at meal times but it was a whole big thing where you know it was step by step but you would go and reward the dog on the mat and then sit down at the table then go and reward the dog on the mat and then maybe start with like eating a packet of crisps and then go and reward the dog on the mat and I was teaching this to families with kids you know so the whole family I was expecting them to go and sit down at the table pretend they're having like a little snack and then go back and reward the dog and it's completely unrealistic I mean I am obsessed with training I do it all the time I try and fit in I've really got the bug normal people don't really have that that's completely understandable and I don't even have time to train that kind of behavior because it doesn't appeal to me you know the doorbell making the doorbell into a queue for the dog to go to their bed lovely idea in theory you should teach it in rescue as well but realistically it's just not really achievable because it takes so long to do nobody's got the time for that if you've been taught you know told to do one of these plans and you're like oh I haven't fit it in and you're starting to feel bad nobody has the time to fit that in yes of course maybe someone does or someone gets the the desire to do it and that's great but 
you are not alone in not being able to achieve these big complex training plans because I think even trainers they don't massively appeal to trainers because guess what management works just as well and management solves the problem and management changes the emotional state and we don't need to make it complex let's choose the easier way out because it's better for us and I think sometimes it provides more clarity for our dogs there might be initial bit like oh what's going on here but then it's like okay this is what happens so what would we do instead well with the doorbell we just you know get the dogs not involved and we we put management in place where the doorbell goes and the dog is put behind a baby gate behind a door behind a um uh in a crate whatever your dog is comfortable in obviously if your dog has some barrier issues and struggles massively behind that barrier then you might need to put a little bit of extra training around them being comfortable behind a barrier completely normal behavior but you and you give them something when the doorbell goes behind that barrier so we can pre-prepare pre-prepare oh my goodness can't get that word out but <laughs> we can we can have enrichment ready which is going to set up us up for success and it's much less work preparing okay i just need to avoid that word <laughs> getting enrichment ready is much less work than this whole complex training plan so that's going to be a much better deal for you uh so it might be a bunch of frozen licky mats right licky mats are probably the cheapest thing you can get so you could order a few of those and just smear them with a little bit of cream cheese cottage cheese yogurt and you need a tiny bit and shove them in the freezer they also take up less space and then you've got a stack of them and you can chuck one of those behind the barrier every time the doorbell goes whoever it is your dog's not involved doorbell means they go behind the barrier and they are not involved later they can come out and greet whoever it is if it's their friend but what happens if we make this really consistent is we're doing the training plan but we're doing it naturally and organically because the doorbell's naturally going and we're doing it consistently because we want to keep it up consistently you know it can be a chew it can be a kong it can be a scatter of treats have a bowl of treats out ready and if it's the amazon delivery guy great you've got time to grab the delivery dog's not in the way and you come out and the dog comes out and goes where where's 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 everyone you're like oh it's all good all done all sorted nothing to do with you and at first your dog's going to be ramped up like they always are around the door and eventually after repetition 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 you might even see your dog go to the behind the barrier to eat their to wait in anticipation for their enrichment that they know is coming you've already accidentally trained the dog to go to that place on the cue of the doorbell and maybe it never works like that maybe maybe the dog's so supercharged it takes a really long time for them even to come down a little bit and they're not eating that enrichment till the visitor's gone it doesn't matter keep up with it and keep going you know keep up with the barrier because the barrier is stopping them from getting to the visitors stopping any potential dangerous situations happening stopping putting your dog in an uncomfortable situation and it's just getting them out of the way you know they're just doing what they're they've been bred to do told me there's a visitor there thanks for that um off you go because <laughs> i'm going to deal with it now thank you for telling me 
now you can go in here and have something nice. So they get a positive association to that visitor coming too. And yeah, all with management, we don't need to do a whole complex training plan. We can treat, we can cheat it. And what about at the table? So we've got a dog that begs at the table or is really crazy around everyone sitting down for meal times. Easy, exactly the same thing. We we barrier them or we tether them or we put them in a crate. And while we're having dinner, they're just not involved. They can have their own chew. We can save a chew for them or a licky mat or, you know, whatever they like. And they can have that, but they have it away from us in their crate in their area. And every time we have dinner, they aren't involved. We take it out of the equation and they go in and they go away. And if we've got a dog that's vocal or isn't coping in these situations, then that's when we need to start implementing a bit more of a plan. But, you know, I think weighing up at what point is it super stress? Is it super frustration? Then we need to step in with a plan. But can we, you know, can we let our dogs just know that they're not involved by giving them that chew and finishing a little? Our dinner and, and they're still remaining calm great they can come out so i'm not saying putting your dog in in stress or distress or you know driving yourselves into mad frustration because your dog is barking constantly but if we can initially just make that when we sit down for dinner when the doorbell goes you go away and you aren't involved especially with kids as well because if you've got kids around they want to feed the dog they do feed the dog they are clumsy with their food so even if they aren't going to feed the dog they're likely going to drop something and the dog is going to get reinforced so it's just better they are away from the dinner table and dogs that aren't coping generally aren't coping because they aren't used to ever being behind this barrier when there's so much action going on and that's why I always talk about the importance of when we get a puppy the biggest thing or even or anything in life with dogs really is you know if you're preparing for a baby that's my essential thing to teach is just to get your dog used to being behind a barrier while you're on the other side you know if it's a baby then it's it's easier to create the baby at the beginning stages but not create the baby <laughs> kind of create the baby i mean put a pen around the baby's cot so you are technically gating the baby rather than the dog because the baby doesn't move. Your dog does move around and stuff and you've got more of a high energy dog whereas baby's like just in their cot. So it's easier to make that little space for the baby up until, you know, they're toddler age and they're out, out on the out on the move because even as as they start to crawl and, and have movement they they're quite like a playpen. And that's enough for them until they're ready to explore the big wide world but yeah so so we the dog might be on the other side of the barrier but we're probably going to step in that barriered area we've got a baby and well we're not probably we are going to we're going to be in and out sorting out the baby and dealing with them so at some point we need to get the dog used to just us being on the other side of something and they're not involved or they can't get to it because we often see that's where our dog's frustration builds because they get FOMO and they get uh, frustrated, yeah. And sometimes that's where separation anxiety comes from. It's not so much the 
you know, the anxiety of not being with us, it's the frustration of not being able to get to us. So if our dogs aren't coping in some of these situations, that's the area we need to work on. Not necessarily the specific thing that we're doing, like eating or answering the door. It's more about the fact that our dogs need to cope with the fact that there's action happening and they're not involved with it, but they can hear it or they can see it. And that's just really good to build up with either, again, organically with management, you give them some enrichment behind a barrier and you, you might be starting just by standing on the other side of the barrier and watching them eat it and then opening the barrier when they're done. Then you might start doing a little dancing, you might start walking around a bit um, and you want to do all the things that you would do anyway with, with a dog getting used to a playpen, a crate or a barrier, which is just make that area really reinforcing. So scatter food in there now and then, make it cosy, tie a Kong or a Chew in there, tie something so that they can't take it out and bring it over to where you are. They'd have to dip in and out to go to that area so they might start to settle there to enjoy their Kong or Chew. The sticky licky bats are good, the ones that stick on the wall. Um, so yeah, you make that area really cosy and you just start to build up what's happening while they're in there, while the door's closed. And you can do that in a settle or a, <coughs> excuse me, or a stay. Or you can do it, like I said, just while they get enrichment and while you do something. So they're eating or they're enjoying something or they've got something to do and then you can just start build up, building up the time. So first of all, I'd say they finish and you open the gate. Or maybe they've finished and you just leave it like a little bit before you open the gate. And maybe they start sleeping in there anyway because you made it super cosy. So that's the part where, so when they can't cope, that's when we want to start implementing a bit more of a training plan. But it doesn't need to be a huge thing and it doesn't need to be centred massively around the specific thing you need help with. It just needs to be about the barrier, about the action happening behind it, because that's usually what they can't cope with. And that can be done with a bit of management too. And you know, try to fit that into your daily life because I think that's easier to fit in because meal times a schedule and it's a big, big thing that you have to make the meal and sit down and eat it. And the doorbell is out of your control, really. You don't know when someone's going to ring on the door, and guests and visitors are hard to control. You know, oh yeah, come over for dinner, but could you uh, ring the doorbell three times first and wait for me to settle my dog and. <laughs> not really realistic is it because uh, we love our friends but that's they don't really understand our training goals sometimes so with the barrier stuff it's just something we can do when we're on our own all the time really whenever we can fit it in so it might be like yeah I'm gonna make a cup of tea that can be the action i do behind the barrier today or i'm gonna take a shower and i think my dog is is up to that level so i think i'm gonna put them behind go take a shower I'm going to put the bins out, big one, because I've got to go to the front door. So, you know, and it's it's all these sort of different contexts that your your dog can get used to, and just things going on. Maybe it is that you build up to. I'm going to want to eat a bag of crisps without my dog staring me down. I'm going to put them behind the barrier, or I need to do a quick Zoom call behind the barrier. So, just those little things that you can build in throughout the day makes it a little bit more achievable. 
and where we can bring that management into more of our problems with things like reactivity I, th I think that's a massive thing and, and where I am <clears throat> where I am in London you know it's it, I also realized it's really unrealistic to expect people to do a whole um, training setup most of the time where we find a stooge dog which is hard I mean unless you're set up with a trainer who has available stooges and I hate using stooge dogs um, because I think because there's been studies on them and they are affected you can get the most your dog but they do get affected being used as a stooge and, and in rescue you know we had to use stooge dogs a lot to test the other dogs and to work on the other dogs and improve their behavior but you would see some of the effects on the stooge and when you were short of good dogs which is common then some dogs would get overused and as a result I feel like you sometimes get really dog social dogs that end up getting overused as stooge dogs and come out as not so social dogs because being barked at all the time being stared down getting whatever messages or pheromones those dogs are giving off is going to have a, an effect so i hate using stooge dogs really and i think when you're passing dogs all the time anyway you can use it as a management plan in these more natural setups because that's what you're working towards anyway you're working towards being able to pass those dogs in a stress-free way so use that management and that might be you know you're ducking behind a car and you're rewarding your dog um but what are you really doing you're actually doing the training because you're giving the dog distance so if we're saying that they were ducking up behind a car and the dog's barking and reacting as a fearful response we're giving them what they want they want distance and we're giving them we might be doing the treat to distract them but we're giving them reinforcement so we're creating a positive association a nicer a nicer response to the dog a bit of conditioning right so it feels like management it looks like management but it's also going to be changing the behavior because we're implementing what we would do if we were doing a big training setup because it would be lovely if we could do like a whole bat setup and put on a long line and you know look at a bit more kind of habituation where they have loads of choice and they can make the choice to move closer or move back and lace the floor but otherwise we're not using those because that's great but it's really unrealistic in most of the setups that we have so we, all we have most of the time is management and I think that feels like feels sometimes like we're not getting anywhere or that we have bigger reactions when they react because we've got dogs jumping out at us and we weren't prepared but we are still massively going to improve our dog's behavior by using that management system because we're in a real life situation and we're working with what we've got but it's still training it's still changing the emotional state it's still reinforcing the dog in a way that they want to be reinforced they want to gain distance we're going to give them distance and they're getting something from us they're getting rewards so management works and i think you know it 
it's the easy way. If I had a have a remote for a TV and don't have to get up and go over and change the channel every time I want to change the channel, you know, which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose the remote, right? We have these easier options. And we should be all about making our lives easier because it's going to make our dog's lives easier as well if we're more relaxed and calm and it happens in a more natural way. So don't be offended or scared by using management because it works as well. And don't be afraid as well to to say, if you've got a trainer that's giving you a plan to say, this is really unrealistic for me or, or this is quite complex. I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit this into my life because that's a valid question. And I'd, I'd much rather that I had clients say that to me than went away and felt overwhelmed or just didn't do the work and kept quiet and didn't get any results or didn't get what they wanted out of the, the session. Because it's so much better to say, no, this, is, this isn't just not possible. I'm not going to fit this in. Because then we can look at, okay, let's think about this. There must, there must be an easier way then. Or we can break this down into somehow you, in a way that you are going to get results. Because if it's a huge, complex plan, there's no shame in not being able to do that. Absolutely not. Because it's hard to get end results from these behaviours. I mean, I've, you know, worked on a lot of these. To get a sustained hand touch with my dog took me about seven years, <laughs> which is crazy. But to get any duration was a huge struggle for him. And that, and I, I pushed through because that's what I do, right? That's that's my job. So of course I'm going to dedicate my time to that. But that's not your job necessarily. That's you probably have a different job that you want to dedicate all your life, your time to, and you got a dog for the fun stuff like walks and maybe doing a little bit of training and hanging out and having those cuddles and that companionship. So don't feel guilty about not being able to fit in those complex plans because they are complex. A lot of trainers don't even do them because they know that there's alternative ways and they want to focus their time on what they do want to train. You know, it might be complex heel work or some kind of sport or trick training, but rarely they have the whole perfect door behavior going on because you'll hear their dogs bark at the door too. So don't feel guilty and don't feel ashamed to turn around and say, I can't do this. This is just way too hard to fit into my life because realistically, getting to a point where you're comfortable with your dog should be achievable. It should be able to fit in to little steps. Yeah, you might not see massive results straight away, but those little steps that you could do each day that are going to be part of your routine already, you know, like if you're looking at your walks and trying to maybe fit in some mental stimulation or something, you can adjust those and tweak them and put them into what you already do with your dog. It shouldn't be a whole massive plan and part of your session, part of working with your dog should be what you already do, really. You know, there's some situations where I might say you can get up five minutes earlier set your alarm five minutes earlier and that's just going to help you prepare some enrichment or do a mental game mental stimulation game with your dog or scatter feed them so you're set up a bit better but that's only in situations where you know I've got owners that are like oh no I can't possibly take 
take the dog for a walk it's like owners that basically don't do a massive amount with their dogs or perhaps aren't even walking them at all or the dogs getting walked a couple of times a week or and then they're not getting loads of sort of mental stuff either that'll be the time when I might say that we just need to change up your routine a little bit but I would say most of the people that follow me or listen to this are already doing loads with your dog and then beating yourself up for not being able to fit these training plans in but you you shouldn't have to because you can do it in amongst what you already do and remember when you overwhelm yourself when we take on massive ideas or massive training plans we're not making it sustainable like you know if I want to if I don't lose weight I'm going to be like yeah I'm going to work out I'll do two half an hour workouts a day or I'm going to do every day I'm going to work out and it's great because we do it and we see results and then it's brilliant and then we lose our motivation because it's massive like we're putting ourselves through a massive thing of half an hour and we wake up and we're like we start then the excuses start coming in and we're like oh oh I've got a bit of a twinge in my leg today so I shouldn't I should listen to my body I won't do it and oh I think it's that bit of a headache yeah I won't work out today and then we stop doing it it's not sustainable if I said okay I'm just gonna sit on the floor today and do some neck stretches and then maybe you know once you, if that's your goal every day you're going to achieve that goal every day but you might also do some abs or do some yoga because you're making it really achievable for yourself and you'll probably do that and then your habit form and some days you're going to do more and guess what if you don't do more you've achieved your goal because all you had to do was sit on the floor and stretch your neck a bit really achievable and that's exactly what we want to do with our training we want to say all i need to do today is while i'm on my walk I need to do this, this and this with treats. Maybe I could do it once. All I need to do is once. Maybe then you'll end up doing it three times. Maybe four times. Or maybe you'll just do it once and then you've achieved your goal. And that's all we need to do. We need to make it sustainable. We need to be kind to ourselves. And we need to know that management is still training and it is just as good, if not, sometimes even better because we're setting ourselves up for a more natural situation. Hope you found that useful and you got something out of it. Thank you for listening.